You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. The year is 3129. Mankind is adrift in the stars. Giant spaceships hurdle the last of humanity towards their destiny, whatever it may be. Only one thing can keep them going and power these great ships. will feed the minds and spirits of these people. And that is the last brewing company to survive in the future, Circle Brewing. So great was their product that they indeed became the legendary Earth Brewers. But, you know, it's right now. 2018, or maybe 2019, depending on when you're listening to this, and you can get Circle Brewing right by going into Austin, by stopping into their uh, brewery on Breaker Lane, or you can get it in convenience stores where there's all sorts of good stuff. Uh, Martin, you're from the future. What do you think? Well, I tell you, Austin is a city with no shortage of breweries. But this is some of the best I've ever had. Well, there you go. You, you can't ask somebody who's going to give you a truer thing about beer than Mr. Martin Thomas because he's an alcoholic. Oneofus.net is supported entirely by our subscribers, and that means you. You guys who are listening to this, we can't do this without you. Think about becoming a subscriber at the $2, $5, $10, or $25 level. Get lots of bonus content in our forums. And now our newest thing, we have a closed group on Facebook only for subscribers at any level. If you are already a subscriber or you want, or you're, you just became one, please send an email to oneofusnet at gmail.com. Let me know what your Facebook page is and I will add you to that closed group where we'll be having regular live videos and all sorts of special things, especially from the upcoming South by Southwest. You're not going to want to miss that. Harris, do not move. The cat is looking at you, possibly threateningly. I'm just saying, if there's one thing I learned from watching Captain Marvel is you can't trust your cat. Oh, come on. Look at Jack there. Oh, Jack, you tell us if you were, a, if you were an alien that was going to eat people, right? <laughs> I'm not sure he would. And I'm not entirely sure he hasn't already proved it. I just, you know, may have been drunk. But uh, welcome to the review for Marvel's Captain Marvel. That felt a little unnecessary. Yeah, well, it's inevitably coming. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I'm joined by Bo and Harris. Originally, Matt Frank was supposed to be here, but sadly, he had to go in for some yeah. sort of eye procedure, so he could not join us. But maybe he has superpowers now. <laughs> I don't know. We, we shall find out in the future. But Captain Marvel is the 21st MCU film, official MCU film. 20, 21st? 21st. Although with Sounds recent... Right. Although I'm... I, they may have to recount soon because a recent uh, announcements have been saying that Marvel is officially going to do a Blade movie with Wesley Snipes now. That was like two days ago. Right. And if that happens, then they're going to have to canonize the the, the previous Blade films, right. <laughs> which I kind of hope they do. Uh, they might as well. I mean, yeah. there's nothing really that occurs in them that, that is outside the scope of anything else they've set up. So. I just, I want Ryan Reynolds to return as Hannibal and just have that moment with Deadpool and Hannibal see each other and like, do that head cock thing. <laughs> or they're just going to look at each other and go, love your work. <laughs> of course. Uh, this is one of the characters that um, 
certainly I think of as more of the modern era of Marvel as being a primary character in the comics. Yeah, and but Carol Danvers is one of the most convoluted characters in Marvel oh, history because yeah. she actually she's made her first appearance in the fucking Silver Age. She was yeah, she yeah. originally the, one of her first fights was with fucking Sabretooth. Yeah, and she she was before she even got powers and and when they when Marvel first made Captain Marvel, he was just he was just a regular crease soldier yeah, with, with regular race. weapons. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he he kind of crash landed and there's a convoluted kind of soap operatic uh, storyline from which they they procure one of the, the main main roles for this film, Jan Rog, who is played by Jude Law. But she was the security officer for like, you know, basically the Marvel version of Cape Canaveral. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, she got a Cree blood infusion and became Ms. Marvel, and then Rogue Solar Powers, and then the the alien race, the Brood, experimented on her and turned her to binary. Uh, she, she was a, she was a uh, which a herald for Galactus during that point, right? Uh, no, no that was, was that was that was Nova. That was freaking Nova. Okay. Yeah, uh, she was one of the Star Jammers where she, she went off yeah. into space with Cyclops and Havoc's dad. Cyclops' dad, who was a space pirate, and the original Captain Marvel was a dude, and he died of cancer, which was a big deal in Marvel comics, right? He and was he like, was the guy that that in the in the the original. Like Thanos is trying to kill everybody in the galaxy storyline, even before Infinity Gauntlet, uh, he was the guy that that stopped Thanos the first time. Yeah, he was kind of, in some ways, the primary cosmic hero for a while yeah, in Marvel, yeah. and then when he died, her she got his nega bands. Well, and they they went through a they they went through a lot of people, and and Carol Danvers has always been this ancillary character. Uh, you know, with attachments to the Captain Marvel line, but then also Chris Claremont really loved her, and so he kind of brought her into the X-Men continuity for a great while. Then she came, she lost her binary powers and, and came back to her, actually she still had them at the point, came back, became Ms. Marvel again, and became an Avenger. Right. Uh, or, or re-upped, because she had, she had been in there the first time she was Ms. Marvel, before Rogue took her powers. Uh, she then she changed her name to to Warbird after she she got drunk she became drunk and dried out with the help of Iron Man changed her name to Warbird. Uh, so wait, then, Tony then Stark was her sponsor? Yeah, yeah, I did not then, know. Then that. back to Ms. Marvel and, and finally uh, after after Captain Marvel having been uh, a couple of people including a lady who uh, predecessor Philovel who is oh Philovel uh, yeah. Uh, and the, there was Janice Vell and Phyllis Vell and, and Monica Rambeau and Monica Rambeau, who was also an Avenger. Uh, it was only, I guess, Captain Marvel in name only, not really connected yeah, to the same had, power. Yeah, she has light power. She did not. Yeah, have... she she had no power. She had no connection with the the like the Kree. Yeah. is basically right. her thing. Although but, they. But, kind of folded her into continuity but as well. But for the past seven or eight years, yeah. Carol Danvers as one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel and Universe. And they finally got it right, because is, they, they finally were like, what do we do with Carol Danvers? We don't have a Captain Marvel. Why don't we just fucking make Carol Danvers Captain Marvel? And it turned out to be one of the better things they did with both characters. Yeah, because and they she's had, been really she's successful. She's been a very dominant them. character in yeah. the comics for, yeah. for quite some time now. They had, uh, they had Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, Jamie McKelvey basically reinvent the character and relaunch it, and it became it took off from there. Especially because uh, Kelly Sue made a huge part about making her more less of like you know just yet another Marvel Avenger, and more of like a figure for like people to look up to. 
So they, like, not only did she really embrace the Captain part of Captain Marvel, because Air Force, but also really kind of making her sort of, like, more of an icon for little girls and, like, kind of, kind of becoming a, you know, feminist hero for girls to read comics about. And so responsible for this this particular iteration, which nonetheless is another complete remix of the Captain Marvel right. story, but Kelly Sue DeConnick actually makes a cameo in the film. Yes. <laughs> which yes, I yes. didn't catch. Harris started laughing. I was like, what did I miss? Oh, what, who is she, was she playing? <laughs> she, was uh, just per- she was just a, she was a person in the uh, at the train station. Okay. I, she's a friend of mine, so it was sure. kind of easy to pick her out. But this is like one of those uh, character with amnesia storylines, trying to rediscover their right. past. And and that's, it, it, uh, amnesia does play a big part of, of Carol's yeah. life. You and know, first of all, honestly, when, the, when the, Rogue took her powers, she also took her, her memory as, as right, well, yeah. and she kind of had to rebuild her, her life after And that. this is, like I said, as much as a total remix, all of these themes end up being a big part of the story. They're just reorganized in yeah, a right. big way. Even the even the Cosmic Cube, which was a big part of the original the uh, the original Captain Marvel its fight with Thanos is in is involved in this. Right. Uh, to to be clear, once we get to the third act we start seeing how more specifically this is going to tie into the forthcoming storyline. Right. Uh this is in many ways kind of a prequel to the entire MCU, but it's also kind of a preview of phase four, it feels like in a lot of ways. Because right. it's Starting to define things much more specifically, uh, especially with the Kree race, who we've seen before. We saw, uh, like, appearing in this film, and we saw previously in, I believe, Thor The Dark World. Uh, Ronan, the, the accuser, played by Lee Pace, is in this, and is, is Jimon Hansu as Korak. Jimon Hansu and, and Lee Pace are both reprising their roles from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it was Guardians. It was yeah. Guardians. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah we, we've, we've the, the, the Marvel's cosmic universe, the Marvel's, the stuff that happens in space, they've, they've set up the Kree. That anything that happens in space, pretty much the, the, the Kree have been there. But they're also bringing in a property which... Marvel was not entitled to for a long while is uh, they they finally got licensed to use the scrolls again, which right. were kind of folded into the rights of the Fantastic Four. Right. And one of the the touchstones of the Bronze Age uh, uh, of comics was this big war between these two space empires, the Kree and the Scrolls, which and, continues to play a major yeah. part in the comics. That these guys were just never going to dig on each other. Right. And and in terms of the human race, we're we're kind of just caught in the middle of these these two races who don't think much of us, either one of them. But in this particular version of the story, Captain Marvel, when we meet her, is uh, is just known as Val, or I'm sorry, Veers, Veers. and uh, lives on Kree, and her... She lives on Hala, which is the the whole world of the Kree planet. And what's his name? Jude Law is kind of a mentor to her and she's trying he, to, he's her superior officer. She's kind of a, a member of, of this, you know, strike force team slash squad. Uh, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're fighting the, the Kree for the, the, the good of the good of the empire. And, and or they're for fighting, the, 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 fighting for the, yeah, Kree they're, 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 the they're fighting the scrolls yeah. at this point. Uh, and, and yeah, they, so she's, she's kind of, you know, he, he's, he tells her he, she has to become a master of her emotions before she she can truly uh, use her 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 powers, which you know, or she she's got these photonic powers uh, that she can uh, emit power beams out of her hands. And he's always subtly negging her yeah. through yes, the entire yes. movie. It's kind of it's kind of like. Mm, that's a little, a little okay. I see where you're going with this, but it's a little uncomfortable right now. But and granted, you know, military officers are supposed to kind of bust your balls. But hey, as it goes along, it becomes clear that that whole her having powers from her fists 
is something that isn't shared with the rest of these guys, but it's not directly addressed for a while. Like, why is it that she's got this? It's not, and, and it's implied that, well, we gave you these powers, and the, the specific squad she's on, they're, like, each member of the team has a particular speciality and a different weapon set. So, yeah, you're like, they've oh, got a sniper, okay. they've got a couple of gunners, they got one dude who's just like, I like to hit things. Yeah, <laughs> and then they've, they've got Jimon Hunsu with these great fucking big, you know, Kree laser swords. Yeah. Uh, and they track down a, a, what do you call it? A, a, a terrorist cell. Well, they're, of, they're, they're, the they're, they're, they need to, they're extracting a, a guy who's been spying for them. Right. Yeah. The, on this particular planet that's basically on the border, you know, the, the claimed border of, of between Kree space and scroll space. And, and through a series of events, she ends up on a planet that's just given a number and d- designation with the Kree, but ends up being Earth around 1995 because she falls smack dab in the middle of a closed blockbuster video. You're like, oh, this is not now. Unless it's that one blockbuster that's still left in like Ohio or somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, and she. Obviously, there is no such thing as the Prime Directive among the Kree, because no. she's right off the bat like, uh, yeah, I'm an alien, and I need to talk to other aliens, because i got to go deal with yeah, other I, aliens. I, I need to leave. We, we've, we've got things to do. Are you, like, you know, a security he, officer? Yeah. Or, basically, yeah. like, do you guys have any sense of, like, the broader universe? No? Okay, never mind. I guess I'm doing this myself. She's fortunate enough that one of the first people she meets up with is the de-aged, and rather well, Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. with a... With a Agent Coulson, uh, slightly less well slightly less well de-aged, but who is becomes clear like although he works for Shield, this is really his seems to be his first personal experience with meeting an actual alien, and is kind of um gobsmacked a bit, but quickly gets into the the gist of it, and also the idea that okay, this one's okay. Like, I, I think maybe I should stick by this one's side because he quickly finds out that she's not lying. There really are alien shape changers, a la the scrolls, right. here on the planet who appear to be quite dangerous. So yeah. it kind of turns into sort of a mismatched buddy comedy for a little right. while. And which, uh, which I kind of like what they do here, which, which is, you know, a lot of people would have opted for the mechanic of having this complete sense of distrust between the, the two main characters, and they establish pretty well on that. It's just like, nope, I'm telling the truth. You believe me? I believe you too. Okay, let's go. Yeah, they trust each other fairly quickly, which is really kind of refreshing. And the way that they the way that they cast it, it's kind of inevitable to make this comparison, because Samuel L. Jackson, but it feels very much like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, complete with Samuel L. Jackson's character trying to help an amnesiac you, figure you, out who she you is. Long, you mean Long Kiss Long Kiss, long kiss Goodnight. Good yeah, yes, long Kiss Goodnight. Um, too many kisses. But... It's, we're getting to a point after this where it gets hard to start getting into a lot of details, like, because there are, like, starting in the middle of the second act, some major plot twists that start happening that change the whole context of what you think you've seen. And a lot of it has to do with her slowly remembering who it was she, she was before. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the, the, uh, ben Mendelsohn, who plays the head leader of the Scroll Forces here on Earth, hunting her down. Talos, which I, I don't know if, if that's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to somebody in Marvel, or if it's wink, wink, nudge, nudge to uh, to to uh, uh, the, the the first Star Trek pilot. Yeah, okay, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, I guess it could Talos be. Four. Uh, and it's certainly as every Marvel film tries to attach itself slight, at least somewhat, to a genre of film. This is kind of half that mismatched buddy cop comedy and half a family drama, which I'd say is the part that's going to drive the uh, trolls on the internet out of their goddamn minds. Oh, yeah, they're going to lose their fucking shit over this. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, they really are. 
because uh, it, it, like in the middle act, it takes time because this is a character that's brand new to a lot of people, and they're bringing her fresh into the Marvel universe. And it's also a prequel, which is always a dangerous thing in a long running uh, franchise. There's a lot of like cards on the table. That and if are out you here. look at the history of of the, the MCU, like a, a lot of times, the, it'll end up that 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 first movie. It really has to carry so much weight. Sometimes you get an Iron Man, and sometimes you get like I I love First Avenger, but it it pales in comparison to Civil War and uh, Winter Soldier. Just sure. Because once you establish that Cap is Cap, then you can go and play with him some more. And this is having to to shoulder that heavy load because <laughs> not only are we are we taking a character that not, a not everybody knows. B has one of the most like her her backstory is the only person I can think of that's more fucked up is maybe Hawkman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? And Bo, you didn't even touch into the part where she got like kidnapped by some cosmic being and then forced to like give birth to him uh, and yeah. then he became her lover and then yeah. There's but, some squicky motherfucking yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> Carol Danvers has been treated very badly as a character. Yes. Uh and so they so they they've got to do all the you know the, the dual thing of establishing the character, giving you the origin, setting up one of the biggest power sets in uh, in, the, in the MCU, mm-hmm. and yet doing it in such a way that she's not like a complete Mary Sue overpowered being at the beginning. And, yeah. and also with the challenge of the fact that fans are tired of origin story superhero right. movies, so how do you do it and make it feel fresh? Yeah. And I gotta say, overall, I think the, the by the way they did this of structuring the Amnesiac storyline, of the way that her power set comes into play with said amnesiac storyline in the third act. Like a lot of these things all play out to a movie that really is fun to watch this character build and develop and learn and right. change as it goes along. And part of, I think what was a smart decision on their part was to not be like, Oh, she's discovering her powers. Oh, she's becoming a hero. They say, no, she's been doing this for six years. She's been trained. She just doesn't know the real story yet. So right. we don't have the same origin that we get with Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man. What we get is someone who, who's already at their, like, already well-experienced, it's just they're going to be at a, a crossroads in their life. Yeah, which is good, which ties into, you know, the Captain Marvel mythology anyway, because the original character was, he was this Kree warrior that all of a sudden discovered, oh, there's, 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 there's something, there's something more to you, and, you know, the universe is endowing you with this, you know, very, very big responsibility. And there's lots of deep cuts in this for, that are setting up things that we can almost certainly expect to see in the future. One of the things I really liked was her best friend when she was just not with cosmic powers, just a fighter pilot on Earth, is uh, Maria Rambeau, yes. whose daughter, little daughter here, who looks like she's maybe eight or nine, is... A little, little bit maybe older. Maybe a little bit older. Yeah. But she is named Monica, who in the Marvel Universe yeah, ends that's, up becoming that's, the, that's the light Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Photon. Yeah, who, in fact, her mom's uh, flight name her, her was Photon. Her call sign is Photon. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, so it wouldn't be out of the question when we get to see Avengers or the, uh, the next Avengers movie or the next Captain Marvel film that she's all grown up and gets powers. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's lots of other little hints here too. Plus it is the, it, finally the Marvel universe is done, but I'm waiting them to do the whole time. They made a cat, a major character in the storyline. <laughs> yes. They brought in Florlin from the comics. If you read the comics, I don't want to tell too much about it. Cause it's much, it's one of those fun for discovery, but there's a cat who's in this a lot, who's adorable and also kind of awesome. And by the way, who knew Samuel Jackson, the, uh, Nick Fury, 
totally a cat totally guy. Totally Dude loves yeah. cats. Dude loves cats. And I was like, I was squeeing in the audience. I, I know. I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to talk in the theater, but I nearly turned to you and was like, well, the, the, these 21 films have finally paid off for you, haven't they? Uh, Annette Benning also was in here playing uh, in her memories, which is part of the mystery, someone who she knew before. She plays was, a, a was, number of people by a number of names. Yes. And, yeah. And, 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 but no she, spoilers. She's also, but also not a spoiler. She, uh, because the Supreme Intelligence, which is an AI that runs the Kree Empire, um, there like, used to be a big head full of tentacles. It they did. decided not to go that way. But, uh, I'm, almost, I'm almost sad they didn't give a little like nod to that at some point. There been, was yeah. a little. If you'll notice, the interface did look like Greek little squiddy. Yeah, that was yeah. But yeah, you interface with it uh, if it chooses to talk to you directly, and it takes the form of someone that you deeply admire. And when it happens with her, it's Aunt Annette Benning, and she's like, I don't even remember who this person is, so I'm not sure why. Why you would be in this form, but it gives Annette Benning more to do in the movie. Right. <laughs> to be fair, uh, I wish Clark Gregg had been in here a little bit more, despite the little bit of Uncanny Valley. I'm a big fan of Agents of Shield, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> I would have liked to see more of that, but I like that Samuel Jackson calls him Rook because he's brand new right. to Shield at that point. He's a rookie. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I think overall, despite, like I said, it's slowing down a bit in the middle, but it kind of has to to get the plot to, and the character arcs to get where they need to go. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, As we said, the trolls are going to go crazy because there's no shortage of stuff in here that is about, like, in a very smart, non- Non, I guess, for hammering, lot, hammering you, you way. Don't yeah. feel like it doesn't they're playing sludge. Yeah, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like they're driving the point home. It doesn't feel like it's pandering. It does. It, everything in this is well set up. It's all the emotional beats. They're very well set up. They're earned. They're they're stuff that you see that recurs a couple of times. That has a payoff towards the end. That explain that just says everything about who Carol Danvers is. And honestly, part of it kind of reminded me a bit of the the last episode of Buffy. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go to final thoughts. Bo, get us started. Uh, well, I mean, I'm a huge Captain Marvel fan. Captain Marvel was like actually one of the the, the Marvel version. It was one of the first superheroes I, I was into, and uh, I was a big fan of the the original Marvel character, and have, have pretty much been a big fan of Carol Danvers ever since. You know, like I said, Chris Claremont kind of put her into the the X verse um, and got some very feckin' storylines from her. So I, I I've loved both of these characters. I was absolutely thrilled when they made Carol uh, the official Captain Marvel. Uh, also thrilled when Brie Larson was chosen to play her. Yeah, she yeah, has proven to be quite the competent actress. She's she's a very competent actress. Um, I I will say there there are times that that. Sometimes she comes off as a little too even-tempered in this. I I, I kind of wish she, you know, ha- had gotten angry. It's it's funny because uh, obviously one of the the first like stupid criticisms of this movie was well she doesn't smile in the in the things and it's just like man for me maybe she smiled a little bit too much. I, I wouldn't mind seeing her like losing it a little. But hey, uh, I, I I think that Larson still does a very competent job in this. Uh, the, like I said, the story had a lot of shit to shoulder. Uh, I think they, they broke it down really well. Uh, you know, the, the, the writing team really did a good job of, of getting over a, a lot of hurdles. Uh, you know, maybe not in the most elegant way, but in a very competent way. Um, 
and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I it's definitely up there with, uh, say, First Avenger or uh, the, uh, the original Thor uh, in in terms of a, a good solid uh, origin movie that you know just kind of you know looks its tasks squarely in the eye. The stuff that you have to do when you're engaging in a in a you know comic book character and it rolls its sleeves up and it gets to work. Um, and there there are plenty of laughs along the way. There's and there's some some really good action. Uh, and this this is a this is a very good uh, you know companion piece to the Guardian stuff where they they've set up the, this cosmic you know this broader universe that is that is happening uh, you know that of course you also get in Infinity War and that we're going to get in Endgame and uh, brings some more of that into bear where you're you're not just dealing with you know the the, the street level you're dealing with the the entire cosmos and I, I'm always into that. Uh, so I, I, I think it was really solid. I, I'm going to give it, uh, nine, uh, perfectly normal ginger cats out of 10. <laughs> Harris? Yeah. This is a movie that had a lot of heavy lifting to do and it had even more, like it was it, it, because of the character, because of the fact that it's the first female led hero in the MCU, it was going to be judged on a whole lot of levels, not the least of which being it's got all the assholes on the Internet who are just losing their damn minds over this. And I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping that this was going to be good. Not that I had any doubts, honestly, because Marvel has had a surprisingly solid record of like even their worst stuff is still pretty good. But I wanted it to be good just so that the, uh, so that various internet assholes could sit and go screw and scream in the dark. Um, and I, like I said, I have to admit, Kelly Sue is a friend of mine. I know Jamie McKelvey, so I do have my biases. That having been said, there, the, I thought one of the smartest things they did, because it's a prequel, they set it 25 years in the past, which means that they have a lot more room to play with it. They don't have to be as, have to have nearly as many nods to the current Marvel continuity. That makes it a lot easier to set things up that aren't necessarily going to be like, oh, see, that's where this came from, and that's where this came from, and that's this. They tied it in in a way that feels organic, that feels natural, that makes sense with what they have. It doesn't feel like they had to crowbar in the various references or the various, like, things that they put in there to explain where these all, all came from. So as an origin story, it works. As a movie itself, it's it like you said, it drags a little bit in the middle, but the first the first uh, third and the last third are killer. The only com- only real complaint I had is that it was a little too hey guys, it's the 90s. Yeah, they were. They were very of, proud of that with all its references and music cues. <laughs> yeah, the music cues were, I think, a little on the nose, especially yeah, the they, fight scene at the end, right. where it's just okay. I see what you're going for. I kind of wish they had gone a little bit more. One of the things I loved about movies in the '90s is there were so many movies that even if the movie sucked, had an amazing goddamn soundtrack. Right. And I was kind of hoping Captain Marvel was going to lean a little further that way than they did, and not pick quite as many obvious choices. That having been said, I enjoyed the ever-loving hell out of this, and it hit all the right notes for me. Samuel L. Jackson looking like he did 25 years ago, and like. Uncanny Valley, and that, yeah, that's kind of uncanny. Um, <laughs> really kind of made me sit up and take notice. So, I have to, I, I really enjoyed this. It, like I said, if it wasn't for the, for the little pounding the 90s too hard, I would have given it a slightly higher score, but I'm gonna have to give it 8.5 out of 10 late returns to Blockbuster. Uh, you know, 
I one thing I was going to say that I'm certain some people are going to be critical of here, and and it's because I don't think they're thinking things through enough in the timeline. Is so that Samuel Jackson is playing kind of a, a goofier, less in charge type of character than we're used to seeing Nick? Yeah, yeah. and and it's funny because like because he isn't as jaded at this point. He gets along better with Captain Marvel than any other hero in the in the universe. Right. Well, and when we actually meet him in the in Iron Man, a lot of time has passed between then and now. Yeah, he's a man who's seen a lot of shit between when the, between when Captain Marvel leaves and when uh, he meets Iron Man. And presumably there'll be other stories that will eventually be told of other characters that he got to encounter between those points. But that being said, that is that, that's I'm not spoiling anything here because that we don't get to see that. But but it seems self evident. There's enough time there that yes, he becomes the man who already seems to know everything a little bit later on down the road. Uh, so yeah, of course he's different back then. Uh, the there the uncanny valley even with Samuel Jackson is there here and there, but overall it's still pretty spectacularly well done CG considering that. Um, it's he's in the bulk of the movie. I mean, he is not like the way he is in the other movies appearing here and there. He is the co-star in this film. If you compare the de-aging from between this and uh, and what's his name in Tron, in uh, oh, yeah, Jeff Bridges in Tron, it's amazing how well it's how, it's, how far it's they've moved come forward. Yeah, uh, Marvel is clearly at the forefront of using this technology. Let's hope Martin Scorsese makes it work when the Irishman comes out in a few months. Um, I do think this is a lot of fun. I think the most amazing thing about it is that, once again, they had to approach the shit. We've got to do a fucking origin story. We can't do like with Spider-Man, where everybody knows Spider-Man's origin story, so we can make it a joke that we're not going to give it to you. Like, here, they've they've genuinely got to do it, and there's so much stuff to root through. How do, wh- wh- What do you come down on? And they decided to go a very different route than the traditional origin story, but yet keep so many of the themes and ideas that were important along the way and make something that's really solid and surprising and, and emotionally satisfying to watch play out. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of complaints here other than this when it does n- do what it needs to do in the second act, which is a lot of just conversation. Um, but it's on the heels of a giant surprise twist in the plot that would lead to lots of conversation. I, it's there's a point you're like, can we get back to the leg like, neg blasts and the yeah? Can we get back to Princess Barkfist already? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but uh, there's even in those scenes, there's some good laughs and some good fun to be had. I I don't know what to make of someone who's going to come down real hard on this film, except that they were determined to not like it from the get-go. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some genuine things I missed along the way here. But overall, I think this is just another example of how Marvel is at the absolute forefront in the industry of making these kind of blockbuster films. And it looks like they're going to continue to be for some time. Uh, I'm going to give this eight and a half out of ten uh, advanced scripts for uh, uh, what the hell? Mall rats. Mall rats. Thank you. <laughs> and speaking of, that relates into uh, Stan Lee's posthumous cameo in here. And I thought it was really nice that the opening credits, when they do the Marvel info, intro or video, where it's like just the letters coming up, and you see you, traditionally you see videos like on the letters of like characters from all the films and everything, and moving in them. And here, every single one was a Stan Lee appearance, and I was like, that's. Awesome. Yeah, there were there were there were a few sniffles in the house when that happened. Yeah, people. This is a room full of critics, and they broke into applause. So, just saying. 
but yeah, this is this is uh, fun, and it has enough cats to meet my satisfactory levels for a uh, blockbuster film. Um, Chris? Yes? Chris? Yes? Your cat is gnawing on the back of my head. 